Hello, this is Richard Saunders from Sydney, Australia, and you're listening to the European Skeptics Podcast, the real ESP experience. You're listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show in support of European level actions within the skeptical movement. The ESP is run by individuals representing different skeptical groups from across the continent. This is episode 182. I'm your host, Andras Pinter, and joining me for the show is my co host, Pontus Böckmann. See ya! Hey, son, hey, son! Hey, Andras! Yeah! You're it's back. becoming like a, a, a habit of, of yeah. ours, yeah. isn't it? That there are only two of us yes. doing the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, sorry, <laughs> I was uh, I was in Canada for a while, and I, I was quite busy. My schedule, for some reason, got absolutely crazy, and um, yeah, I I'm back. Yeah, well, least, well, very good. And on the other hand, Jelena couldn't make Yelena it today. <laughs> no, but anyway. <laughs> So uh, I hope uh, listeners will be satisfied with just the two of us. We'll do with the best we can. Mm-hmm. How are things? How are things? Bloody hell, the cat came back. You know, in February, <laughs> my daughter, who lives in another town, took care yeah. of our cat. Uh, he's called Elvis. And okay. uh, because we were away on, on skiing holiday. And of course, he ran away. We looked all over town for him. We posted on internet. We post physical flyers on every tree. Uh, nothing, nothing. And then, just the other day, six months later, we were contacted by somebody who'd found him. <laughs> he okay. was sitting around just, just about a kilometer away from where he got lost. He was sitting outside a food store uh, begging for uh, scraps. And somebody took pity on him and took him home recognized him from our uh, flyers and contacted us. He's been away for six months. I I, I've, I know. He has nine lives, really. I, uh, magical cat. <laughs> I was sure he was dead, but okay. Did he recognize you guys? Yes. Yeah. Oh, he's a very happy cat. I can tell you now, Elvis has not left the building since we found him. He is, <laughs> he is uh, <laughs> laying in his favorite chair. And eating his favorite uh, food, and uh, he looks very happy. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Quite an adventure for him. Six months in the wild. Oh, wow. Okay. And what is the temperature like? It's not too bad. In the daytime, it's about 22, 23, 24, maybe very, very comfortable. I hear that's not the case all over Europe, is it? Oh, my God. Yeah. There are there are places that have have gone absolutely crazy. France, the me- the middle of Europe. Now for the beginning of next week, here for Hungary, most of the country they forecast thirty five degrees Celsius. Yeah, and that's that's going to be madness. But even in Canada, it was it was terribly hot. I mean, it can be it 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 usually is, but uh, but not this hot. Especially not Vancouver. That the westernmost part, Victoria and Vancouver, they usually quite okay during the summer they don't temperature doesn't always go up to 20 25 degrees and now it was 30 degrees and so yeah so whew. yeah and also in europe i may, may have mentioned that on the last show but we went to to germany with a family mm-hmm. we had 41 degrees one day and it was uh, the record for that e- town it's never been that hot ever before oh god 41 is a lot yeah, it is absolutely crazy and and terrible. The other thing is that this year again is a year of extremes and the year of uh, records broken, record-breaking temperatures all over the place. I just read that in July in Cambridge in the UK hmm. the record temperature was thirty-eight point seven degrees. Wow! In the UK, yeah, I I don't know what's going on. I I know exactly what's going on, people. We do know. We have There known. is a global war, fucking global warming going on. Mm. And you know what? Now there is a new publication that, that just came out. And it specifically states 
that unfortunately people we just managed to to quantify again what uh, the global warming consensus is well it's growing Mm. on the actual question of whether it's anthropogenic or not so it even has a name the anthropogenic global warming the agw yeah even though they the the one that everyone refers to the 97% consensus that's based on a 2013 article written by John Cook and his team John Cook is the author of uh, the climate science blog skeptical science you're probably familiar with it yeah and we occasionally use that blog, actually. We follow that blog, and um, they were the ones uh, who came up with um, things like the debunking handbook. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, so that's pretty good. So, based on uh, new evidence and a new study, it looks like uh, the scientific consensus is uh, growing, and it has already passed 99%. Yeah. And uh, we say that the extreme weather events have not been seen for at least 2,000 years. Um, I mean, not the extreme weather events, but the extreme rate of warming has not been seen in recent history. And that is very alarming. Yeah, there's there's an organization called the World Weather Attribution, which is an international yeah. effort. It's a collaboration between different uh, organizations, and they released the statement, uh, an analysis really, where they estimated that this heat wave that happened in July is probably around 1.5 and 3 degrees higher than it would have been without uh, human influence. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So and uh, they have published a lot of pieces of research and um, and a lot of uh, data on these issues, breaking it down to several different countries and areas across Europe and the world. Mm. It's unbelievable. And there are still people claiming that it's not real. Well, you just said it's unbelievable. That's why they don't believe it. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I, I should watch. Yeah, I should watch my language. It's uh, very believable, actually. It's happening. It is. It, it makes sense. So... And and some people ask what this is all about. How how do we know that in the last two two thousand years there have not been occasions of such a quick rate of of warming? Well, it's something that we call proxy data. It's really cool, actually. It's it's amazing scientific work that people do. Pollen analysis. They use plant remains, tree remains to reconstruct vegetation and ice cores to reconstruct the air composition, the atmospheric composition as well. Mm. So we do know a lot of what has happened. So it's not only historical data and not only people jotting down what the temperature was even before actual measurements could take place. We know much more than people usually think we do. It's very alarming now. If anything, it's actually getting warmer faster than we expected it to be. That's right. So the science is absolutely clear. What we lack still is a political consensus and a political will to act on it. We will have to face all the different challenges that come with these changes and uh, we will not be able to avoid them. We have to respond and uh, we can only do it if we accept the science. And oh my God, this should be like a a motto of all all of us, the, the, the whole humanity. We can only act on it if we first accept the science. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, depressing. But it's so good to see... Oh, I just mentioned John Cook. It's so good to see those people fighting the good fights and not letting it slip out of their hands and grabbing it by the tail, act on it. And uh, one of them, one of those people, is our friend Edzard Ernst. Mm, yeah. Who just published a new book. Have you heard? I have I haven't actually. I saw your note on this, but I've missed this. Mhm. So the new book is uh, titled Alternative Medicine: A Critical Assessment of 150 Modalities. I'm pretty sure that this is a very important piece of work, not only because we know how accurate Edzard Ernst is in his approach, but also because it covers a lot of different areas that we come across as so-called alternative medicine or as he calls it so-called complementary and alternative medicine which adds up to scam <laughs> mm, yeah that's very yeah but it has it has a lot of different fields uh, going on so I, I i think it's um it's an important work so if uh, anyone can get their hands on it please do so 
yeah, very nicely what he says on his blog is that you don't need to buy it, but try to convince your local library to buy it and you can <laughs> you can get so, it. <laughs> is it is it out already? It is, yes. It oh, is good, already because already available on Amazon. Great, because the, those of us who's going to the European Skeptics Congress will oh, meet yeah. him so you can get it signed. Oh, yeah. 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 So uh, end right. end of this month, just two weeks from now or so. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Great. Yeah, so uh, this is what I plan to do as well. I think I'll grab a, an actual paper copy of it. This time I won't download it from an online store because I usually get my, my books on iBooks. But uh, yeah. You can have him yeah. sign the back of your Kindle. Yeah, we, <laughs> we, you remember we, we did discuss that with uh, the SGU guys. Right, <laughs> and the important thing is not to let them sign it on the front because then it'll sort of ruin your, your machine, but... Yeah, all right. So, um, looking forward to reading it. As it Ernst, Alternative Medicine, a Critical Assessment of 150 Modalities. Thank you very much, Adzid. Hope it Hope it's a great success when, he, when, when people learn about it. Okay, shall we move on to uh, our regular segments? I think so, yeah. All right, let's, uh, let's do this episode. And... Since Yalana is not here, I'm afraid we won't be doing a normal This Week in Skepticism. But we do have to mention someone who is internationally acclaimed and he is often referred to as the grandfather of the skeptical movement. By his age, I think it's appropriate to call him that. I think also appropriate because he's so widely loved among the skeptics and that is james the amazing randy who Mm. celebrates his 91st birthday yeah uh, this year amazing i can't find amazing the amazing randy (laughs) of course yes so he was born on the 7th of august yeah and we wish him many happy returns of this day and as i i usually say it to to people Especially in my country, I don't know, don't know which countries uh, use what terms when they greet someone on their birthday. But in my country, it goes, "God save you for long." This is why I came up with a different version of mine. May the blind forces of selection favor you for long. <laughs> yeah, it rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is what I hope happens to James Randi, and he he stays with us for long. Yeah, I would love I to meet so. him again. Yeah, yeah, he's a great guy. Yeah. Instead of uh, going into all the details and uh, all the work that he's done, I think you might want to refer back to a movie, a documentary that was uh, made in 2015 about him. And it's available on uh, several different media, including iTunes, where I've got it. It's a must. It's uh, The title is An Honest Liar. Mm, and yeah. there are so many people uh, from the field of magic and skepticism praising him for his life's work, including how he exposed Peter Popoff and uh, another guy who's um, known for, for cheating with props, uh, that is uh, Uri Geller, and a lot of other guys, um, the natural paths of Manila, who did these um, opera, so-called operations without making a cut yeah uh, psychic surgery yeah psychic surgery that's what it's called yeah Mm. so uh, what he has achieved and what he's done in his life yeah I I think it's absolutely amazing and he deserves to use the amazing Mm. title he was a great inspiration for a lot of other skeptical organizations to be formed uh, in the early 80s in Europe and Australia and all over the place yeah yeah, and I think his organization's offer of $1 million for anyone who can prove under controlled conditions that they possess any kind of uh, supernatural abilities, I think that triggered other organizations trying to come up with a, with a similar scheme. Mm. And uh, that is another thing that we need to praise him for and, and all the other organizations that followed suit. I think it was a brilliant idea to call out all these quacks and uh, all these uh, charlatans and the, the, the different uh, con artists. Well, as usually it is the case, they stopped applying after a while. 
but uh, that doesn't take away the merits of the whole idea. Yeah. Okay, so James Randi, once again, happy birthday. Happy birthday and many happy returns. Okay, I think what we need now is poking the Pope. Oh, yes. So, well, actually, Pope Francis hasn't directly done a lot of things to annoy me this week. He has offered his prayers for the mass shootings in the US, but I can't really fault him for that. <laughs> it's sort of expected, and it would be very strange if he didn't do that. But yeah, anyone did the, that. <laughs> yeah, but the Catholic Church has other nutty leaders to examine, and one of them is an Archbishop Marek Jedrasewski in Poland, in a speech recently to commemorate the 75th anniversary of the Warsaw Uprising, he said, and I quote, We also know that our land is thankfully no longer affected by the Red Plague, which is a reference to the communism, of course, yeah. which does not mean that there is no new one that wants to control our souls, our hearts and minds. I wonder what that can be. He went on to explain what he meant, and this new plague is, and I quote again, It's not Marxist, Bolshevik, but born out of the same spirit, neo-Marxist. Not red, but rainbow. Oh no, fuck uh, off. So he is putting an equal sign between the LGBT movement and... Um, and communism. And Soviet communism. Yeah. No way. And that's And a, you know what? I don't even know why that communism thing came up because it was the Warsaw Uprising, the the, the anniversary of the Warsaw Uprising. We was not against the communists. No. No, no. no <laughs> it was no. against the Nazis. Exactly. So I don't know so why he's talking what about. What the fuck is he talking about? <laughs> I have no idea. No idea. And this is a great way to whip up new hatred towards an already very vulnerable and oppressed minority in in Poland under the Law and Justice Party, uh, which is the ruling party in Poland and has been for a while, the LGBT community has been under attack. Same-sex marriages are still forbidden as one of the few countries now in, in Europe. It's also being directly campaigned against by the ruling party, who has often talked about efforts to stop discrimination as, quote, attacks on traditional family values. Mm. And and this this when the ruling party says things like this, it gets co has consequences, and yeah. it has led to an increased persecution in the country. And for instance, recently a Polish newspaper started distributing stickers saying "LGBT free zone," and people were proudly waving those on, on the street. It, it's horrible, really. Mm. Human Rights Watch, the organization, has condemned the remarks from the archbishop. However, I haven't seen Francis react against it, which is presumably because he agrees. Bloody idiot. Oh, it's... Uh, I don't know. Do you think he does? He Well, he hasn't spoken up against it. So, I mean, I'm sure that people will take it as a silent approval. Uh, yeah, probably. He's, he's probably, not, but... He is transphobic and he doesn't like uh, homosexuals. And he, he is... He's trying to be the progressive guy, but no, not not really. And also even talking very badly about women. You know, he he wants women to, to shut up in the congregation as, as they always have deep down, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think it's safe to say that. Mm -hmm. But I do condemn all politicians who are always ready to use these issues, topics for their political gain. Yeah, and not think of the consequences. So when when a party on the sidelines that doesn't have that much support, when they do that, um, most of most of the country just just laughs at them. Yeah. However, when they become the governing party, they should act much more responsibly as to what they what they say, because that can lead to terrible things, terrible thoughts, and terrible deeds. People feel entitled. Uh, to have all those terrible thoughts and entitled to discriminate people based on their sexual attitudes yeah. and and sexual preferences and and something that can they cannot control so when this starts to become the norm 
this is when things like the uh, so I I know it's a it's a big leap from what I just started out explaining, but eventually things like the Nazi Germany during the Second World War can be built up a society that is ready to put people into gas chambers for being Jews. Mm. So it's a gradual change, but it can be seen on any occasions. And I'm particularly worried about these things because the very thing happens in Hungary. So right now, the government speaks up against the LGBT movement time and again. And obviously, the, the last month was the time of pride in Hungary as well. You cannot believe how much hatred there is in the society towards this part of the society who belong to the LGBT community. Yeah. And even even on my tours, when I was in Vancouver a couple of days ago, and it was exactly the time when the Pride was on, and a couple of people made comments when I explained that to them. A couple of people made terrible comments. I just wanted to kick them off the bus mm-hmm. and tell them to tell them to fuck off. Of course, I couldn't, but I felt terrible. Yeah, and also these regimes, these parties, they they use this. It's not even sure that exactly. they believe in this at all. They just use it because it's so it's a distraction from the other real problems in the in the society. They say, "Oh, it's over there. It's them. It's the it's the foreigners, or it's the LGBT movement, or somebody else." And you just channel the hate, and you create this "we and them" scenario. That they can thrive on. And you can see it, of course, in the US and you see it in the UK as well. And yeah. in a lot of the former Eastern, well, still Eastern European countries, but formerly associated with the Soviet Union. Yeah. I, I, I don't know what to say, but we have to make sure that our leaders are acting responsibly. Yeah. They have to act responsibly. Otherwise, we're going to end up having massive problems. Because the same thing happens with uh, global warming. The same thing happens with the anti-vaccination movement. Everything. If our leaders are not responsible people, what what should we expect of yeah. the future? Hmm. We are the ones, the, the voters, we are the ones who have to make sure that they act responsibly. Otherwise, they're just going to go off track and do things like this. Ah, so yeah, and the Pope's fucking the popping fucking Pope's fucking job is to condemn everything that's inhumane. If he wants to be perceived as truly progressive, he needs to take a stand against this. He needs to take a lead because a lot of people are, are listening to him. I mean, it's more than a billion people part of the of the Catholic Church. He has a huge responsibility. Oh, exactly. Where are the Jesus' teachings in this situation? Are we not following those? Hmm. Are we sure that Jesus would condemn or put LGBT people on the sideline and excommunicate them or let anyone do that? Hmm. If Jesus was real and the stories that we can read, most of them support the idea that he would accept everyone without regardless of what their background is. Yeah, and he was probably gay as well, because according to the Bible, he wasn't married. There are different stories about that. But I'm sure Jesus was gay. Jesus was gay and black. Yes, well, yes, he was. <laughs> Did you really think... I was from the Middle East. Did you really think I was blonde with blue eyes? Really? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you very much, Pontus, All for right. poking the Pope once again. Thanks a lot. He keeps giving you a reason to do so. So, let's move on to discussing a couple of things that have happened in the last week or so. So, I think one of the most important publications of recent times was published in uh, JMA Psychiatry. And the title of the the paper is Association of Genetic and Environmental Factors with Autism in a Five-Country Cohort. Now, we do face that question all the time. With the anti-vaccination movement growing at alarming pace, we do need to re-examine that time after time. Whether there is any kind of risk between autism and vaccinations. But this study 
did not focus on that question. That ha- there have been studies focusing on that, and obviously there was no link found. So it's well established now that there is no link between autism and vaccinations. However, there is another aspect of this, and that is whether autism is mostly genetic or environmental factors are in the works as well. Uh, There was a large study done, a cohort study, including more than 2 million individuals. Wow. Out of uh, whom 22,156 were diagnosed with ASD, which is the autism spectrum disorder. Among the findings, they established that an approximately 80% of ASD was due to heritable traits, heritable uh, characteristics. That means... In 80%, that is most probably genetic in origin. Yeah. This supports everything that we have previously known about autism and uh, the original question as to whether it has any kind of link to vaccinations. There are other environmental factors uh, that might be responsible for part of it, but uh, mostly we can say that now based on these studies, uh, mostly it is heritable and it is mostly genetic. There are a lot of numbers, but obviously we will uh, link to the paper. Uh, unfortunately, it, uh, it is not free to download the whole thing, but uh, the abstract and the, the results, the findings are there to check out. So that's another blow for the, the anti-vaccination movement. But at the same time, a couple of days ago, my favorite blog, Health Impact News... <laughs> published a double article that says autism can be cured and a terrible thing is promoted how to use the chlorine dioxide protocol to recover broken oh, lives oh shit yeah glyphosate and chlorine dioxide it just just make makes my skin crawl this uh, reading this this uh, article uh, these two articles so uh, we will link to them just in case or probably we shouldn't I Should don't we? Know. I, I don't I, know. I have I have concerns. I don't want to make them more successful by another link to their website. Mm. You know what? We will not link to to their website. Screw them. Screw them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can ha- check it out. Health Impact News. You can check it out. I'm not gonna put it put their website no, on our website pro- at all. No, let's not promote them at all. That's right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> And obviously, a lot of lot of news outlets have picked up on uh, this uh, new study. David Gorsky writes extensively on uh, Science Based Medicine blog uh, about it. By the way, so I do recommend everyone him. We who, can link who's to. interesting. Yeah, and we definitely will. Yeah, <laughs> he is a good guy. And we met him at uh, QED last year. Oh yeah, yeah, we did. All right, let's move over to next item. Familiar introduction to this science should not really be decided by popular vote so uh, science is not a matter for politicians either it works or it doesn't it doesn't matter how people feel about it and this is a specific problem in switzerland where in 2009 there was a referendum about alternative and complementary medicine and whether they should be included in the national health insurance and of course it was approved Because if you ask the people, do you want more kinds of things covered in your insurance? Of course they will say yes. Problem is, you don't want things covered that do not work. And this has consequences because now there is a new chair of anthroposophical medicine being sneaked in at the University of Basel. The new professorship will formally be called... Oh, and I'll try to speak German here, Translationale Komplementaire Medizin, which is gibberish, even in German. And it translates to something like Translational Complementary Medicine, which is also gibberish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in fact, the new position is paid for by several anthroposophical institutions, the main ones being a foundation called METSI, which is run by a billionaire anthroposophist I can't even say it, anthroposophy nut called Beatrice Ueri and a company called Veleda, who is the largest producer of anthroposophical remedies in the world. 
Veleda was actually founded by no other than Rudolf Steiner himself back in 1921. And I looked up how big it is and found financial numbers for last year, 2018. Nowadays, they mostly sell cosmetics and the like, but uh, one fourth of their turnover, uh, or about 105 million euro, that's money. Come, yeah, yeah, it's a lot of money. Yeah, comes from sales of anthroposophical remedies, mostly in Europe, but also some in North America. And actually, this is a little bit of a teaser. I will talk more about Veleda later in the show. Da, da, da. Mm-hmm. Okay, but back to the university. This is the dilemma of the University of Basel. If anthroposophical remedies are covered by the national insurance, it's very hard to argue that there should be no research into it especially since it's paid for by non-government funds, right? So Mm -hmm. it has really triggered a big controversy at the university because some of the professors, of course, are sensible and say, no, why should we spend our time with that? And uh, others say, well, maybe we should because it's actually part of the national insurance, blah, blah, blah. So they've tried to cover this up, this internal controversy, but several professors there are extremely unhappy with this new development and, uh, of course, also our buddy Edzard Ernst is uh, bothered about this. Edzard Ernst, we mention him all the time. He is the professor emeritus of Exeter University who started out as an alt-med professional and now is dedicating his work to tell everyone how bogus it is and, and why it is bogus. He, he's been there. He knows what it does or rather what it doesn't do. This, I guess the, the conclusion is it is problematic to leave scientific questions to the public to decide in mm-hmm. popular votes or in, in, in referendums. You don't want that. I, I know we want democracy, but science is science. If it's proven that it works, it works. If it's not proven that it works, we shouldn't spend public f- funding on it or endorse it by letting it take place in our universities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right. Mm. I do believe that um, with regards to these organizations and these institutions, what they should accept is the opinion of experts and ex- expertise is what they should follow and uh, and politicians as well. But they usually don't. This is f- probably one of the things that lead to asking the public instead of asking the asp- experts. Uh, because politicians will ask the public if they think that the public will support their ideas instead of the expertise. But this is why, for example, there is uh, there are a couple of statements published by some organizations, some committees that represent the science and represent a kind of a consensus and expertise. And this happened in Spain as well. Well, a position statement was published in uh, the journal Anales de Pediatria, which is the Annals of Pediatrics. Only the abstract is available in English. But um, it clearly states that uh, there is this uh, Spanish Association of Pediatrics Medicines Committee and they are very much concerned with what's going on. And uh, regarding the, the alternative medicine and pseudoscience that is used in pediatrics, the, the treatment of children, they publish this position statement and they speak up against uh, confusing terminologies that uh, try to avoid being detected as pseudoscientific, like alternative medicine, natural medicine, complementary medicine, pseudoscience or pseudotherapies. Those those are the avoided words, the, the last two. And they ask everyone to t- try to stop them. These uh, therapies should not be used by any pediatrician because they lack scientific background. So... They want legislators to ban the practices that lack a scientific background. And that is most welcome, I believe. That would be advisable because uh, there is no way of controlling them and there is no way of assessing their uh, their usability and their efficacy. Hmm. Yeah, And I, sp- I think especially when it comes to treatment of children, children exactly. are very vulnerable. They have no chance in hell to know what's right or what's not right and and parents as well 
very often are confused. They want the best for their children, of course, and if somebody recommends something, they go with that. It is very important, I believe. If if adults want to use pseudo-medicine to, to treat themselves, that's bad enough, but at least they are grown adults that have the right to make that decision. But children don't have that. It, the decisions are taken for them by the parents or by these pediatricians who are not so edu- educated as they should be sometimes. Yeah, like like for example, to to provide adequate treatments for children because children need different treatments occasionally. Oh yeah, and some some of these alternative medicinal treatments, they are very tough and they are very crude and they are physically demanding. In some cases, it can actually be child abuse to apply those therapies. Yeah, and it shouldn't be allowed. The other thing is that the parents are not educated properly. So parents have no idea and parents are reliant on the practitioner. Who they regard as a, as an expert, of course. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Many times we hear how if it's uh, informed consent, yes, but that cannot be the case with children. No, they're, they're not old enough to consent. They can't be exactly. informed consent in, in that regard. Yeah, there is a very comprehensive list of of these issues that we have with uh, pediatrics and uh, the the connection of pediatrics and alter, uh, and scam practices on Edzardern's web website. We keep referring to Edzardern's, but it's because he's very thorough, and um, uh, yeah, it, sh- it shouldn't be happening. So we do agree with uh, the this position statement. I think uh, whoever comes across it should be in support of it. Or just encourage your experts, or if you're an expert yourself, uh, try to form a committee, or, or you are part of any kind of committee like that. Try to formulate your own position, try to formulate your own statements, and uh, and put it up, mm-hmm. and um, and have it published, and, and put it out on the internet for everyone to see. We need we need to have the the experts' voices heard. Yep, that's true. In a little bit of a different news now, it is now nine years ago, third of August twenty ten, that the website Retraction Watch was launched. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and over the years, they have completed a database of retracted scientific studies with over twenty thousand retractions going back into the 1970s. So what is a retracted study? Well, it's a study that was either wrong or has been disproved or maybe was not properly conducted. And then it's very important that you retract it and you point out that this study, don't don't quote that study, don't refer to that study because it was wrong. And before Retraction Watch came along, it was very, very hard to keep track of that. But they're really doing a fantastic job. And um, they also recently partnered up with a service called Sotero, which can send you alerts regarding new retractions. I assume you can tailor it to to, uh, cover the areas where where you have a special interest. So I think this is a very good tool for researchers to keep track of what's happening in their field, what what old studies are now being... uh, challenged or retracted. Part of science is correcting bad or disproven results. And it's very it's hopeless often to try to keep track of this yourself because there's so many new studies coming out every day. Um, uh, just, uh, just one, one thing that I think was not necessarily so, what you said, mm-hmm. is that retraction doesn't occur when the conclusions are wrong. Of uh, or something is is wrong about, so um, a paper doesn't get retracted for being wrong. A paper get gets re- retracted for being a technically a faulty. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely so if right. So if scientifically it doesn't hold water, that will be up to the scientific community to cite it all over the place and disprove it. And as long as technically it adds up well. And yeah. it it doesn't contain any misconduct or falsehoods. Most likely, it is just the conclusions of the paper that are wrong according to the scientific community. Uh, this will be pointed out by the community. 
Yeah, yeah, in quite other right. Papers no, no, well. quite, yeah. quite right. Good clarification there. This yeah. is about studies that were poorly conducted or even fraudulent yes. or or didn't have good controls or yeah. in other ways were not honest, if you will. Exactly. By neglect or by malice, it doesn't matter. But uh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, a good example that we always hear about is the 1998 article uh, uh-huh. written by that uh, that idiot uh, called uh, Andrew Wakefield, mm. and he has done a lot of harm, even though it uh, the the paper itself has been retracted. Yeah, uh, for being fraudulent. Yeah, but to conclude, this service is absolutely key for researchers and others who are interested. So just from us, uh, a very happy birthday to Retraction Watch. And if you feel that you can, you should absolutely go to their website and support them financially. It mm-hmm. is a very good way to support science in general. If you don't know, if you want to do that and you don't know exactly where you want to go, this is a very good way to do it. And of course, we will include the link in our show notes. Okay, so uh, another interesting thing back to Spain. Actually, mm-hmm. and Europe, you, you decide which which sure <laughs> one you you think is more adequate, because it comes from Spain, but it aims at uh, doing something on a European level, and that is the Spanish government tries to push for EU and the European Committee legislating homeopathy as a medical act and homeopathic products to be registered as proper medicinal products. Oh, for fuck's so, wh- sake. Oh, 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 why? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> oh? They know what they're doing, apparently. Really? So why they do it, yes, is, uh, first of all, they, they started, the Spanish Parliament started with um, following the European Committee of Homeopathy and uh, adopted a bill in 2019 that uh, identified uh, homeopathy and uh, uh, homeopathic practice as a medical act. Something that can only be practiced by graduates in medicine and surgery. Uh-huh. So, first of all, that ha- did have a terrible effect of making it sound much more reliable and legitimate. It basically legitimized the act of homeopathic practice. However, if you think about it, so first of all, in an EU directive, that dates back to 2001. So homeopathic medicinal products have become, since then, a different category. They are eligible for a simplified registration procedure. I see where this is going, yeah. Okay, so what this is all about is to avoid that. So fuck that simplification and fuck that simplified registration procedure because if homeopathy is considered proper medicine then it should be in the same category as any other kind of medicine. And subjected to the same rules for approval. Exactly. Uh-huh. And the same scrutiny. Yeah, so, so this is good news. It is good news. And uh, I do think that we should all support that. Uh, they try to put it up with the European Commission. And we need to do that. Uh, not, not the European Commission, sorry. It's it's the European Parliament. And we need to have that through. I think it's only fair. Think about it. I don't think it would be a proper action, especially politically speaking, to ban homeopathy and try to scrap it from everything, every register and everything. If we want to be correct, both politically and scientifically, we have to get rid of that distinction and say that if it's called a medicinal product, then it has to be held up against the same scrutiny. And that's it. Yeah, and then it'll disappear because they cannot <laughs> prove that it works because it doesn't. It's just sugar pills. There you go. There you go. Aha. So no okay. double standards, no misleading no fast track. no fast track. And we have sufficient data to say that most, if not all of the homeopathic products will be off the market because they will not pass the test. Great. So... What we need to do and what we do, we have to do is get in touch with our MEPs. We do have to know who our MEPs are. Let's get in touch with them and try to make them aware that this will be happening. And when it comes to voting, they should support this. Mm, good. Yeah. Uh, again, I'm uh, referring to Ed Zedernst. He is very optimistic about this. 
I am very optimistic about this, but uh, he does uh, warn to be um, a little bit cautious with this. Um, uh, so my problem is as well that once it gets into the hands of the politicians there, it might get a little bit off track. So we now see the potential for this to make it an actual change. But what if different amendments and additions come up and they manage to twist it and turn it around, for example, by the homeopathy lobby pushing for it or pushing for, for, for some changes that will lead to them being in a better position instead of being out of business. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and they have a very strong lobby power. We should not underestimate them. Good. So, um, I think um, this was all we wanted to discuss with regards to news. There are some very good news there. So, I'm really looking forward to what you have to say when it comes to really wrong or really right, Pontus. Yeah, and what do you know? This is a really right. So, we continue mm -hmm. with the good news. Actually, it's a little bit similar to what we just talked about, homeopathy, but it is about anthroposophy. I said I would talk about Veleda again, and now I will, eventually. But as we reported in December 2017, the Swedish government decided to phase out the exceptions for some parties to sell anthroposophical so-called remedies in Sweden. And the transition period started a year ago, mid-2018, and after 1st of September this year, the exception is no longer in effect. The only exception to the exception would be for any remedies that there had been a formal application filed to get a status as a proper medicine. But no such applications have come in. And even if the deadline for, uh, is not until the 1st of September, it is clear to me that the anthroposophical movement in Sweden has given up. And simply because they know that they cannot present any evidence that's needed to prove that the anthroposophical remedies work. Mm -hmm. There used to be a one anthroposophical clinic in Sweden, the Vidar Clinic, which I've mentioned uh, from time to time. It's now known as the Vidar Rehab, but it is uh, reported that they stopped receiving a patient earlier this spring and they will close by end of August. In the news now is that the only anthroposophical pharmacy in Sweden, which is very closely linked to Vidar Rehab, has announced that they will also close on 31st of August. And this pharmacy was run by Veleda, which I mentioned earlier, <laughs> the world's biggest uh, supplier of anthroposophical remedies. In Sweden, Veleda will now continue to sell cosmetics online, but for their fake remedies, the sales will end. And in theory, from now on, or from 1st of September on, Sweden will be an anthroposophical free country. Uh, I'm sure there's still some people will uh, illegally <laughs> import it over via internet, etc. But still, it's good. The former head of the Vidar Rehab or Vidar Clinic, Ursula Flatters, went on local TV this week to call the closing of the pharmacy shameful. Well, I think she is the one who should be ashamed, but that's <laughs> just me. But a Swedish member of parliament was interviewed too in the same TV program, and she basically said, well, if you cannot show that it works, then that's on you, which was very nice to hear. <laughs> <laughs> About Ursula Flatters, I have argued with her uh, in the newspapers, actually, uh, with, you know, op-eds or, or debate articles. And, of course, you can't reach her. She has seen for herself that it works, quote-unquote. <laughs> she, she's totally blind. We, lo we love that argument. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she, she, no, but that she uses that argument, actually. She's totally blind to the fact that you cannot judge something's efficacy by giving a treatment to a patient and then seeing what happens to that patient. If the patient becomes better, then you think you've proved that, that it worked. And if the patient doesn't improve, then you put it down to that it was too late or probably it slowed down the, 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 the disease anyway, so it was good anyway. It can be very convincing if you already think 
that you know that it works. But mm -hmm. that's not how science works. And even and, and Ursula Flatters is a proper doctor as well. She's gone through medical training and anthroposophical training. So it's not about being smart. You can be really smart and still be fooled by this confirmation bias. And if you want to believe what works, then you, you can't see that it doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and uh, obviously you can go through a lot of training and still stay stupid. Well. <laughs> that is so. true as well. <laughs> let's give uh, Ursula Flatters the benefit of the doubt and let's okay, call her okay, smart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, um, I, I, just, I just thought I'd... I'd but I'd in theory, that. yes. Yes, of course. <laughs> it, does it does happen to some people. <laughs> so I want to give real kudos to the Swedish government for this, for putting an end to the ridiculous exception for anthroposophical nonsense. The Swedish government today gets the prize for being really right. Oh, well done. Yeah, yeah. You see, well sometimes done. even politicians get it right. Oh, yeah, we've discussed that those, those politicians a couple of times in uh, the recent episodes, right? Mm -hmm. So in yeah. Germany, there are, there, there, there are a yeah. couple of those uh, in, in uh, France and in, uh, apparently in Spain as well. Because uh, the, the whole thing that I told, uh, talked about yeah. came from the Committee on Health and Consumer Affairs of the Spanish Parliament. So, uh, yeah. Those maybe are there, are, maybe as well. there are there are some yeah. light at the end of the tunnel here. I think. That's oh good. yeah, 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 uh, yeah. We just need to go and find it. All right. Thank you very much, Pontus. Thank you. And uh, I think now that we have an episode with such a large number of positive messages and news, I think we should provide some help to those doing a very good job of educating the public out there. So uh, listen up and see how much there's going going on out there. The Earth is only 6,000 years old. That's what Answers in Genesis and the Creation Museum say. And how can a museum be wrong? Isn't Dr. Oz just wonderful? I loved today's episode. It didn't talk down to his adoring audience of women at all. Science has proved that the subatomic quantum realm is as real as it is counterintuitive and bizarre. Therefore, I can use it to support quantum healing and quantum consciousness. After all, how can journals like Aquarius Metaphysics be wrong? Evolution is just a theory. After all, if we came from monkeys, then why are there still monkeys? We all have friends and family who believe these things and much more. Well, if you're a rational thinker who is tired of arguing on social media and never getting anywhere, we have a solution for you. Join the Guerrilla Skepticism and Wikipedia team, and we will teach you how to add reliable scientific and skeptical information to the world's number one source of information, Wikipedia. We write new articles and improve existing ones. We remove pseudoscience, paranormal, and alt-med claims substituting the actual facts. And we operate in many languages. We've already reached tens of millions of people searching for information, but, as you can imagine, we can never do enough. So please, join us. All you need is a PC and the desire to help educate the planet. In fact, you'll be educating the world while you sleep. Contact us at gsowteam at gmail.com. Guerrilla Skepticism. The time is, is now. Music by purpleplanet.com. This is Richard Saunders from Sydney, Australia, the producer of the Skeptic Zone podcast. Since 2008, the Skeptic Zone has been bringing you interviews, insights, reports and investigations covering the world of science and skepticism. Join me and my team of reporters each week at www.skepticzone.tv. All right. And before we go, I'd like to mention another thing that I just came across mm -hmm. uh, on Pointer's website. Do you know, um, I, I think we've mentioned Pointer a couple of times. They are one of those fact-checking outlets. Um, they, they do a very good job and they teamed up uh, with, uh, with some others and uh, they, they try to tackle the issue of, of fake news. And they published a list of uh, games. Mm-hmm that can teach kids how fact-checking works and get them uh, or, or provide them with the skills 
to recognize uh, fake news and misinformation and uh, how to avoid consuming them. So it's a pretty good list. Um, one of them is bad news. The f very first on their list is bad news that we discussed with uh, Sander van der Linden when, when I did the interview with him. Yeah, not too long ago. Yeah. Not too long ago. There you go. And uh, this is the first on the list. Uh, so how you can uh, jump into the, the role of a fake news writer and try to learn how it works through actual practice. Yeah, so um, there is a study that, that, that shows that it works. Uh, the BBC came up with one that is called iReporter. It's for children between the age of 11 and 18, and it teaches them how to identify misinformation online. There are a couple of things that they are provided with, and uh, they need to decide whether they can trust them or not. And 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 the the application actually teaches them that, and to tell them a couple of hints as to how to spot online fakery and misinformation. So pretty good. There is one that is called Fakey, uh, developed by a student at Indiana University, uh, very similar to iReporter, according to Pointer. Uh, there is one that's called Newsfeeds Defenders. And other one, Interland, Reality River, uh, Factitious. Uh, they all, all of these debuted not very long ago. So they have not been around for too long. But, um, well, Factitious is developed by an American university as well. And there is another uh, card game-like thing that is called Fact Check It. And uh, it was developed uh, uh, for the International Fact Checking Day on April the 2nd. Mm-hmm. So uh, check them out. I don't think it makes sense for us to, to go into all the details about all of them. There are seven of them. Check them out. And especially if you're a teacher or you know teachers who could use these, let them know about it. These are very useful tools to educate children. I think one of the greatest challenges is that children do not know how to distinguish between proper information and misinformation. And these skills need to be developed. Why not do it through games, right? Yeah, no gamification is a very uh, it's an up and coming tool for any kind of education, and of yeah. course we should use it for for skepticism as well. Exactly. Okay, but I think this has been all that we had time for this week. So since uh, Yelena is not here, I am going to be pro providing the quote. I found a quote by someone named François-Marie Aroué. Mm -hmm. Does the name sound familiar? No, but I can read on the screen. I did not recognize it, but I see <laughs> that it's Voltaire. Voltaire, <laughs> also known as Voltaire. So he was a French writer and philosopher. Voltaire was his, uh, what is it, pen name? But yeah, it, yeah. And the actual quote goes like this. Once your faith, sir, persuades you to believe what your intelligence declares to be absurd, beware, lest you likewise sacrifice your reason in the conduct of your life. In days gone by, there were people who said to us, you believe in incomprehensible, contradictory and impossible things because we have commanded you to. Now then, commit unjust acts because we likewise order you to do so. Nothing could be more convincing. Certainly, anyone who has the power to make you believe absurdities has the power to make you commit injustices. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's all about the misuse of power to make people believe things that they should not believe in. Yeah. And you know what I like about this? That uh, I found this quote... Mm -hmm. And I had no idea that we'd, we would be discussing the, the p political agendas in the context of how these movements and uh, going against yeah. LGBT or any kind of community uh, works. So uh, I, th I think it harmonizes well with, uh, all the dis uh, with that discussion that we had when, when you started poking the Pope for, for not standing up for the LGBT movement. So... Um, yeah, Voltaire. Very good. And that concludes our show. Pontus, thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you, Andras. And I'd like to thank our listeners as well for tuning in. Please keep doing so. And until next week, goodbye. Bye-bye. 
This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time, but until then, please send your feedback, comments, or death threats to info at the ESP.eu. We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes, as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know, as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Schraub and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at www.theesp.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe The ESP is run by individuals representing... The ESP is run by... <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is how this is how far we got. Yep. <laughs>